Begin to thank God for everything he has done for you. Since the beginning of this service, lift him up because he is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be adored. Appreciate him for everything he has done. Open your mouth and begin to thank him. Today is the first Sunday in this last month of the year. I believe you should be more appreciative of everything God has done for you. Father, we are grateful as a church, as individuals. We give you all the glory. Accept our praises. In Jesus' name, we pray. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. I give Do a miracle, 
That's why we are here this morning, Lord, so that you can turn around things in our life. Father, I pray, is there anyone here with any issue that has become a source of burden? I speak forth to that issue now. You that issue hear the word of God, and I command you, within the next two days, turn around to become a testimony in the name of Jesus. As you enter into a new month, the last few days, a new process, a new door, a new beginning shall start in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Any negative thing that has crept into this month with you, every form of emails that has crept into this month with you, I speak against such things and I command them to come out and be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Uh, Lord, as we begin to speak, let the Holy Spirit begin to impact us. Let it begin to touch every life in this place in the mighty name of Jesus. Every contrary spirit, I bind them and I put them into captivity in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, as your word comes out, begin to convict and convince and commit every mind, every heart, every head. That would listen to me today in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I do not have a power of my own. Lord, speak to me to your people. And let your blessings come down upon our lives. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Turn to the person beside you and tell him or her. It's good to see you in the house of God. Move two steps away from you. And make sure you greet somebody you've not, you don't know or you've not seen. Recently, say, I can see the glory of God over you. You are not moving away from where you are. Take 10 steps away from where you are. <laughs> Make sure you are not pointing hands. <laughs> okay. Some people are not being greeted. Praise God. 
Praise God. Quickly, let us be seated in the presence of God. I'm not going to take our time today. Um, for those of us who have been with us for some time, every first Sunday is what we call our Hosanna Sunday. It's a praise uh, service rather than more of a teaching of a sermon. I'm just going to spend the next few minutes and I will leave this place so that we can thank God for everything he has done for us from January to December. I have known people who have seen the month of January and I've seen other months, but they are not alive today. But you are here. God has been faithful to you. Praise God. Two weeks ago, we started the topic. And what was that topic? Holy Spirit and you. And today, we are moving on to part two. Holy Spirit and you. Two weeks ago, we looked at and tried to define who the Holy Spirit is. We also talked about, you know, communion with the Holy Spirit. That was when we go into 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and we were reading from verse 14. And what was there? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. So I explained that we do say that thing every other day, most of the time after the service. But a good number of people do not know the meaning of some key words in that Bible verse. And we also look at that. So today, we will continue. We are in part two, Holy Spirit and you. We will be looking at truth about Holy Spirit. Truth about Holy Spirit. There are so many things that people have said about the Holy Spirit. Some people are even confused when it comes to the issue of Trinity. Now when you now add the Holy Spirit to it, they become more perplexed. But I said last week, God is in part. And that's why there is a limit to which your intelligence can actually explain who God is. And that's why it is useless to get involved in academic argument or intellectual argument about who God is. I also said last week that the Holy Spirit is the only person that can convict a man. I can preach from now till eternity. If God does not change a man, that man will never change. And that's why the best thing you can do is when you speak about the word of God to a man, when you minister to a man, you commit him to the hand of God and you ask the Holy Spirit to convict and convince that person. When there is conviction, there will be confession. If you are not sure of the reason why you've done something right or wrong, you won't hold up to it. But the moment you have something in your mind that this thing is right or this thing is wrong, then you can hold up to it. Another thing we need to know about the Holy Spirit is this. Holy Spirit is released on demand. Most of us, we have skybox in the house. And there are some movies. What do they call them? 
There are some movies that, you know, or some clips that they've played, but it's saved. If you want to access them, they call them what? On demand. Exactly. So, you have to go into your box, you go and locate that, and you play it. Now, the Holy Spirit works exactly in that way. The Holy Spirit does not operate by default. And I will explain what I mean that by that. You know somebody can be born into the house of God. Somebody can, have, can be in the house of God for years. And yet, there is no evidence of Holy Spirit in that person. It does not make that person less of a Christian. It's just an indication that is, that is how far the person has grown or developed with God. Jesus had 12 disciples. They ate with Jesus. They lived with him. Jesus did miracles. Some of them even did miracles when Jesus was with them. But something happened one day. When Jesus was about to go to heaven at the point of leading to crucifixion, he told them something. He told them in Luke 24 verse 49. Let's open our Bible to Luke 24 49. What is there? Luke 24 49. Forty-nine. On I exactly, one can begin to question the rationale of Jesus and begin to ask, why do you need to tell these people who have lived with you, they have slept, you've slept together side by side? Yet when you were going, you said they should not go out. They should be in a particular place and another power will come upon them. And this makes me to understand. And that's why I used to tell people, you see, salvation is a continuous process. Altar call is just a one-time process. Now, the fact that you answer an altar call does not mean you are saved continually. Your salvation is actually tied to your continuous relationship with God. One day I told somebody, if you answer an altar call today, be honest, does it change any habits in you? No, if you still, before you answer an altar call, there is a high tendency you will steal again. If you gossip, before you answer the altar call, there is a high tendency you will gossip again. It doesn't make you less of a Christian. If you lie, there is a tendency you will lie again. But this is where salvation now comes in. As you begin to read the word of God, that's why the Bible says in the book of Romans, that renewing your mind with the word of God, it begins to do what? It begins to transform you. It begins to change you that, all right, 
now you know you are a new person. Therefore, you cannot lie again. Now, because you are a new person, you cannot gossip again. So, with time, you begin to walk yourself out of those habits. And that's why I said, you know, it's sex relationship with God. And that's why you will see somebody who, is, who has been in the church. And when the person does some kind of thing, you'll be like, okay. Or do some kind of thing, you'll be like, okay, are you really a Christian? It's just because the word of God has not actually been renewed the mind of that person. Is everybody following me? So, in the same way, like I said, the Holy Ghost is released on demand. That you answer an altar call does not give you an automatic ticket to have the Holy Ghost. If the disciples of Jesus can be with him for years and he still told, told them that, you know what, you need to receive that power of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is like a welcome gift to the family of God. Now, most of the time when we do baptism, the water baptism by immersion, we try to encourage you to convert the gift of speaking in tongues. Okay, let's say you have that gift and you begin to speak in tongue. Now, it does not mean that the Holy Spirit is still there. Now, you now need to demand for it. And that's why, I repeat this, somebody can speak in tongue now and immediately move, will slap somebody. Because the Holy Spirit is not there. It's not? What did you say? Do you need the Holy Spirit? It's a gift in a way. Speaking in tongues is something that God is a language that you do not understand, and it's something that you know the, 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 that God puts in you when you're praying. So you can't speak without the Holy Spirit. When the element of Holy Spirit comes in, it becomes a very different thing. And that's why most of the time, you know there is speaking of tongues, and there is interpretation of tongues. A lot of people can speak in tongue. Very few people can interpret. When you actually encounter people who can interpret, you sometimes be scared about the kind of tongues that people speak. Because then you will know that, no, this person is just saying something else. So, after you begin to speak in tongue, you need that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples in Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. So, and this brings something. Association does not mean impactation. The fact that you associate with a church, you sing in the choir, you come to the church regularly, does not mean you are being impacted. And that's why people come to church, people have 
double character and double personality is a different person you see in the church, is a different person in school, is a different person at home, is a different person on the street. Four types of personality in one person. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not yet there. So, it's just like a chameleon. It tried to take the shape and the, I mean the color of whichever environment he finds himself. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there will be no need to overflog someone before it will minister to you. There will be no need to start policing you spiritually and physically before you know what is right. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is there. You will start doing things by natural default. It speaks to you and you can hear and you know. That's why sometimes when you see people who have encountered the Holy Spirit and are broken, you ask them, how did you get to this stage of your life? Why did you take this decision? Sometimes they try to offer explanation. But most of the time, they can't really explain. They say things like, you know what? I just come to a stage in my life where God has turned me around to do this. And that's the same kind of things you experience or you go through when the Holy Spirit actually is in you. You let go of so many things. You see things from a different perspective from the way somebody who does not have the Holy Spirit sees that thing. Now, back to the story of Jesus and his disciples. He told them that, you know, you have to stay in Jerusalem until that Holy Spirit power comes upon you. But, just before he told them, something happened to them. Let's go to Matthew 17. Matthew 17 from verse 14. They had an experience. Matthew 17 from verse 14. There was a man who had a son. The Bible says that he was lunatic. And the man went to Jesus and told him, Master, I've taken my son to your disciples. I asked them to pray. They prayed and prayed and prayed, blah, 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 give him a bow tie. Nothing happened after speaking in tongues. <laughs> he said, can you help me? And Jesus told the man, what is wrong with your son? Bring him. And he prayed for the boy, and he was healed. Now, when the man left, Jesus' disciples asked him. Three things happened to them, and I will explain those things. They were confused. They were ashamed. They were perplexed that what is happening why could they have prayed for this boy and nothing happened? To make the matter worse, a few weeks ago, Jesus prayed for them and sent them out. And they came back with testimonies. 
to Jesus, to tell Jesus that we were praying for people, people were healed, that kind of a thing. But here comes this man, some couple of weeks after that. Why is it that the same power is not there? And the same thing also happens when people come into the house of God and they feel the power of God. You can see the power of God in them, but it only lasts for two weeks. After two weeks again, they return to the same default. Why? The Holy Spirit is not there. That you touch something is actually very different to when you hold something. You have it in your hand. So you touch it. It's not a symbol of possession in a way. But when you hold it, we can say for that moment, you actually possess it because it's in your hand. And that's the same thing that happened to their disciples. Those two, two weeks ago, Jesus prayed for them. They went without power. They did everything they can. But after two weeks, they came back. They met this young man and his son. Nothing happened. Let's analyze that situation. They faced the situation. This was a young man who was possessed with a demon. And as you are growing, you will also be facing situations. Now, let me ask you one question. Is it the same way you prepare for exam when you were in high school? Is it the same way you prepare for exam when you get to the university? Okay. Good. Now, now in the same university, is it the same way that you prepare for a BSc project, that you prepare for a PhD project? No. So, what happened? A situation has happened. There is an encounter. There is something that you are facing that is telling you that you need to change your level of study. You need to change the way you view and do things. And the same thing will also apply to you. You will come, a time will come in your life whereby you will face challenges where you need to know, you, need, you will know that you need to step up with your prayer life. Let me tell you this secret. In the next few years, it's going to be different for most of us. Some of us are already experiencing it. You know, when you live with your parents, if you are so lucky your parents are Christian, you don't know, but you enjoy what they call a divine covering because they pray. Even when you did not pray, you are sleeping. Somebody is still praying. So that thing is still covering you. The day you pack out of that house, and you are in your own flat. Oh, my beautiful flat, everything. And you start walking. The dynamics will start to change. Because by that time, nobody is actually waking up by 6 a.m. to pray for you again. Now you have to start praying yourself. When I left the university, I was lucky I got a job. I started working. After some few months in that job, I started facing some challenges. And each time I face challenge, I would pick up the phone. Mommy, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> she will pray. If it comes again, mommy, blah, blah, blah. She will pray. <laughs> One day she said, you know what? Don't call this phone number again. 
I said, why? She said, I've given you everything you need. Now, what was my problem? I was just 22 years old. I got a job as a training manager. I sit with senior manager. But it's so for any time I sit in the conference room, my head will just be turning like this. <laughs> what is happening in this place? Am I the only person? But the day he said, she said that, and I realized that, hold on, come to think of this thing, I'm not under the covering again in a way. That's now made me to start praying. So I now know that before I leave home, I have to pray, no matter how small. And my spiritual life begins to develop. Now, some of us are still under that covering. The day you step out, the dynamics will change. God has not changed. It's just that the challenge you face, that is what has changed. The second thing that the disciples experience is this. They experience failure. They were helpless and powerless. Like I said, some few weeks before that time, they experienced some victories because Jesus prayed for them and said, go, and they departed, the 70, they all went away. They were doing miracles and everything. But some couple of weeks after that, they started, they encountered this man, prayed, nothing happened. I will be very honest with you. You're going to experience some failures. But it's not the end of the world. That's why the Bible says, Rejoice not my enemy, for when I fall, I will surely rise. For when I sit in darkness, the light of God will take me out. I tell some people that I have taken some very terrible and bad decisions in my life. I have listened to some horrible advice that now I now know better. And everybody is going to pass through that situation. But it's only to prepare you that you need something. You need the power of God. You need the gift of God. And most importantly, you need the Holy Spirit. So the same way that the disciples experience failure, it can happen to anybody. And you also pass through that school. You also pass through that cycle in the journey of life. But do not be discouraged. Do exactly the same thing that the disciples did. What? They asked Jesus. God, why is it that we cannot cure this man? A man of God used to say that questions give birth to season. When you begin to ask yourself questions, that is an indication that you are ready to move to the next level, to the next season. Why has this happened? Why have I failed? Why are things like this? Then the answers begin to come. That answers solves that problem and take you to the next level. The third thing that the disciples did, which I've said is, they ask questions. Anytime you fail, do not hesitate to ask questions. Ask God question. Ask the Holy Spirit question. And he will tell you answers. 
All you need is to sit down and meditate in the word of God. How many people have encountered this situation whereby you are passing through circumstances and you begin to read the Bible? And as you are reading, you're just reading the Bible. It begins to give you answer to the situation you are passing through. It begins to minister to you in a way. And as you begin to reason, you begin to see light, solutions coming out. How many people have encountered that? Yeah. That is what the Holy Spirit does for you. Ask questions. Always ask questions. Why has this happened to me? And when you want to answer those questions, answer them genuinely. There, was, there is a stage of my life that I will ask myself questions and I will lie to myself. You know those kind of questions. Now, when I look back, I will laugh that, who have I deceived? There is a situation, you just pretend as if the situation is not there. When I was young, I used to play a funny game. I don't know if anybody played that kind of a game. You know, when you stand in the front of the mirror, you try to be smart. Quickly do like this, the thing will still catch you. Ah, why? You try to change it. But you discover that each direction that you go, it's just it's still the, the image, your image is just right on the on the on, on the glass. And that's the same thing the word of God will do for you. You know, most of the time, we just tactically try to ignore it. Anytime any conversation goes along that line, you find a way to talk out of it. But still, it's still showing who you are. It's never going to change your image. The fourth thing that happened to the disciples was they received answer. Jesus now answered them and he said, there are three reasons why you cannot cure this boy. One, you lack faith. Now, I will begin to reverse those things. To have the Holy Spirit, you need faith. That is why confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior is a matter of faith. There are some things you will read in the Bible that it will never be clear. There are some things they will say in church. If you keep looking for the text in the Bible that confirm that, you will look to eternity. You won't see. But... You trust and you believe by faith. So, because they did not have that faith, they could not do anything. The second thing that happened, Jesus said, there was lack of prayer. That's why our prayer life needs to increase. Last week, I was thinking about something. Now that I've left school, and I'm now... When I was in school, it was a different challenge. I think I've shared my experience before. When I was in school, I used to have some very Chinese classmates. It took me a long time before I knew that they used the power of meditation to steal everything we've read. It took me a long time. Until I begin to understand. And the Chinese boy, okay, you can't speak English. You don't know anything. But yet, how did you, how did you, how did you do it? 
And he begins to understand that, okay, I need to do some things. He wants to introduce me to some spiritual world. What do I need to do? I need to sit down in the camp place. Eh? Omo. <laughs> you, you are taking me to the next level? I said, okay. Now I understand. Fine. When I left the school and I started working, it became a different thing. I discovered that I told somebody, one of the places you can experience the highest place of witchcraft is a workplace. People do all sorts of things to make sure they retain their contracts, to make sure they get contracts, to do all sorts of things. And now you as a Christian, you now start, you, you woke up in the morning and you just you left the house like a goat, no prayer, nothing, and you go and encounter all those kind of people. You know you are, in fact, you are just do not. So, prayer life has to increase. So today, Mike, this is what I have for you. If you have been praying for one minute, you need to increase this to two. If it is five minutes, let's take it to ten. Gradually, gradually. The more you pray, the more you'll be able to feel that power. And that's the, one of the reasons why we started the prayer chain. That pr- I hope we are all praying that prayers because it's coming out. Every day, there's a particular day your group is praying. Everybody's in the group. Finally, there was lack of, I know everybody will grumble now, lack of fasting. Mm. Nobody actually liked to fast. It took me a long time when I got to this ministry before I can do away with breakfast. I was brought up eating breakfast. By 7 a.m., I'm already on the table eating my breakfast as a child because I need to eat. The driver is ready to take us to school. And I grew up with that kind of a pattern. So, when I entered, when I came into this ministry, and they said, uh, you, need to, you need to fast till, till 12 a.m. Hey! Disaster. The first day I tried it, I was, I was shaking. <laughs> it was so bad that the further I tried, the worse it became. I was sleeping at work. I said, ha, ah, it looks as if this thing is not, uh, this is not a good business. It's not working. But I persist. After some time, it began to change. I began to, you know, I was pushing it gradually. I now strategize. I said, okay, God, we are going to make it. That 12 p.m. cannot work for me. We have to be honest with each other. Let's start with nine. So we started with nine. A.M. Ah. Is <laughs> is A.M. Hey, make like I can't do without breakfast by seven a.m. <laughs> so we started by nine. It took a long time. After some time, I pushed a little bit to ten. I pushed a little bit to eleven, and I pushed to twelve. In fact, now, most of the time, it will have been one, two, three, before we realize, okay, it looks as if the son of man have not eaten. 
you can actually do that. But it's a gradual step. And that's why I used to tell you, don't look at anybody to say, I can fast for 365 days. Good luck. You need to start gradually. Then you begin to move. One step, one baby step at a time, one baby step at a time, and you get there. What is most important is the consistency. Once you are consistent with doing it, then you are fine. If it's haphazard or zigzag in a way, if it's not consistent, it's not going to work. We're talking about the truth about the Holy Spirit. And lastly for today, the Christian heart is the Holy Spirit's home. That's why the Bible says, your body is a temple of God. Unless the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you will yield to some external pressure. Have you ever experienced this? When you ask people, when they do something bad, and you eyeball to eyeball, you ask them, why did you do this? There's always a particular phrase that happens most of the time. I don't know. I don't even know. Or they say it is the work of Satan. <laughs> but the, the one that usually amazes me is, and when you look straight into their eyes, you will know that he doesn't actually know. So, now, which means there is a power, there is something that seems to like remote controlled him to do that thing, and immediately he did it, his eyes was pew, and he came back to his normal being. Now, that means there is something that is not in his life. That is the Holy Spirit. I used to tell people, the human man is very dynamic. You can never leave a state of vacuum in your mind. Don't tell me you're not thinking about anything. It's a lie. You always think about something, whether good or bad. The, where the difference comes in, as a child of God, is you can actually draw your mind and say that, ah, no, you can't think about that. Now, be honest. I go to the gym a lot, anyway. And you know, all sorts of things happen in the gym. One day I enter, I enter the gym, bams, like this. <laughs> and I started. And the son of man looked at his right hand side. And I saw. <laughs> and I saw something. And you know what? For the first five minutes, my mind was blank. Hold on. <laughs> the son of man. <laughs> After five minutes, to make it work, they like, hi. <laughs> like, hi. <laughs> After some time, I start my, say, I asked myself, are you okay? <laughs> because 
my mind was just exploring. <laughs> and I was like, are you, are you, are you really, really okay? So now, to cut that situation, I just left the treadmill. I went into the toilet. I wasn't going to pass anything, but I just, I, I needed a break from that process so that I can come back to my senses. So I walked away. And by the time I came back, I took control of my mind that if this is what you want to be doing in gym, you won't come to gym again. And I face my business and I quietly exit. Now, what am I trying to say? Your mind is never going to be in a state of vacuum. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit to be there to fill it up. It's even dangerous. The Bible says that when a man is under oppression, is under the influence of the powers of darkness, and you pray for that person, and that spirit goes away, that spirit will come back to check whether there is something in the mind of that person. And if he found that is nothing is there, by that time you know the whole place has been garnished, making it has been made very beautiful. The Bible says he will go and fetch seven wicked spirits. That is why when you see people, when they come to church and they backslide, they are usually terrible than what they were the first time they came into the church. So you need that Holy Spirit to constantly be there. Bow down your head. Begin to think about the situations and circumstances you passed through before. And begin to tell God, Lord, please, I'm reviting the Holy Spirit into my life, into my heart. I need the Holy Spirit to take over my thinking. I need the Holy Spirit to be with me, to lead me, to speak to me in all of my daily activities.